0: And that's the Mm -hmm. thing we can supervise all day long, but if we don't have dog aware skills and we don't recognize dog body language more than, you know, just on average, continue learning and growing about it. If we don't do that, then our supervision is really limited. Yeah. you Only are as good as the knowledge you have when you're supervising. And so if you're looking at your dog and facing the fact that your dog is just laying there and isn't getting up because your child's right there and you're assuming they're good, That's not enough.
1: Hey, mom friend. Welcome back to the Learning to Mom podcast. If this is your first time joining, then welcome. I'm Layla, your official mom friend, here to support you and ask these experts all of your gazillion first-time mom questions for you. This week's episode is incredibly beneficial whether you have a puppy, an older dog, or even if you don't own a dog, but you know that your baby is going to be encountering them, whether that be at their grandparents' house, at their aunt's house, a friend's house, or even at the park. Before we dive into this week's episode, I wanted to make sure that you're aware of the Learning to Mom newsletter. Each week, you're given tangible tips, support, and information that you can't find on this podcast or even on our Instagram page. You'll get a weekly question to ask your doctor in your prenatal appointments and why that question is important. And you'll get three pieces of information that's vital for your pregnancy, whether that be pregnancy product recall, new research related to pregnancy and birth, or a pregnancy tip like what foods to make ahead of time for your postpartum recovery. You can sign up for the newsletter in the episode show notes below. Now let's get into this week's episode. Hi, Jen. Welcome to the Learning to Mom podcast. I'm so glad that you're here. I am so excited to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me. This is going to be really great and something that I just... Think a lot of people have concerns about and questions about and there's not a whole lot of information out there so I'm really excited to have you on.
0: Well, I'm really excited to answer any questions you have. So,
1: yeah. <laughs> well, before we get into that, do you mind just sharing with the audience I guess a little bit about yourself Jen and then also what spurred you to start Family Pause.
0: Sure. So, I am a mother of four, so 27, 26, 22, And 13. And we have two dogs, five cats and two guinea pigs.
1: And then how did you start family Paws?
0: So in 2001, I had my daughter who was, you know, an infant at the time. And I was thinking, what do I want to be when I grow up? I have five years to kind of plan that. And we had dogs. We were fostering dogs. We were fostering German shepherds. And, um, one of the constant things that I heard on the voicemail was, um, you know, to the rescue was, you know, we have this dog and we're expecting a baby and our family's concerned or we, our dog bit our toddler and we're really scared and we don't know what to do. Can you take them? And, you know, and so I saw the need and I was also volunteering in homes with welcome baby program and nursing mom counseling. And so I would see families with dogs who didn't have answers. And I looked around and I uh, didn't see a whole lot of information. I always grew up with a passion with dogs. I grew up showing and training dogs. So um, it was not a leap for me to think, how can I make this a career? What can I do? So I started Dogs and Storks, started Family Paws in 2001 Started Dogs and Storks in 2002 from my living room in Cary, North Carolina, and now it is worldwide.
1: (laughs) Could you give a brief overview uh, to listeners who maybe have never heard of Family Paws, like about your courses, your hotline? I mean, Family Paws is awesome, and it's quite an operation. Sure. So Family Pause is
0: a program we call it, you know, we have a tagline, Creating Dog Wear Generations. We have a website that has all sorts of information on body language, on ports for families, videos, different information, anything about kids and dogs, right? And then we also have our webinars that run throughout the year, Dogs and Storks for New and Expecting Families and Dogs and toddlers for Families with Babies Three Months and Up. And then we also have worldwide, we have educators who have been mentored by myself um, who offer services in their local community. And so we try to have resources for everybody at every price point and, you know, make it available for everybody. And yeah, that's a little bit about Family Pause and what we do, but it's a lot of information. So if you go to the website, plan on sitting down for a little while.
1: (laughs) Well, hopefully we'll be able to kind of give some free information and resources here. Um, And then people can sign up for those courses because I know you have so much to share and we're only going to be touching the top of the iceberg. So first and foremost, Jen, why is it important to prepare your dog to meet your new baby?
0: It's so important. And a lot of people think about it, but they think about it in a different way than maybe I want them to think about it. It's so important to prepare, I say, with your dog, because our dogs, they don't have an app, they don't have a book, they don't have anything that lets them know what's going on. And so we really want to work with the parents to help their dog adjust to the changes that are going to be coming, you know, and and begin doing those things. So things like getting them used to different sounds, novel sounds, novel sights all those things are things that we want to do, but we really want to focus on how the, you know, what the parents are doing as well. Are they familiar with what their dog looks like when their dog is curious, when their dog is stressed, when their dog is anxious, fearful, or overexcited or happy? We want them to be really familiar with that. So yes, we want to prepare our dog, but we mostly want to prepare our families to recognize and work with their dog to best support their dogs during this time
1: can you go into briefly i guess or just some ways that we can do that
0: yeah absolutely so one of the things that we have people do is carry something weighted so we want to simulate as if you're holding um a baby. Babies are Mm. uncomfortable. They're a little wobbly. They are are heavy. So I usually use rice or birdseed or something. I make something in a pillowcase and have it be weighted. And we carry that around for a while. And we practice, what does your dog do when you talk to this item? What does your dog do when you sing to it? What does your dog do when you're sitting on the couch and your hands are full and you can't lean or give a hand signal? If your dog is used to you giving a gesture to sit or lay down, when your hands are full, that doesn't happen. So we want to work on those things ahead of time and help our families feel totally prepared and confident that their dog will listen to them and respond to different cues that they give I know it sounds silly but we practice this thing I call it the water bottle baby. Sometimes we put 10 <laughs> water bottles in a pillowcase and then it's really wiggly and wobbly. Mm. And then, you know, but we want to make it awkward, right? We want to make it a little bit awkward because holding a newborn is kind of awkward. I don't know about you, but I it was it was hard every time. They're so fragile and you're like, "Whoa." <laughs> and you pass when you pass the baby, the way we all pass the baby, it looks so different. And our dogs are like, what is that? Wow. Uh, Everybody paying so much attention to this. I must jump up at it. You know,
1: mm. so If we
0: practice these things ahead of time and get our dogs familiar with it. But also, if we help our parents to know what they're looking at, they become less fearful. Right. Because okay. if they see their dog jump at this water bottle baby or react to it, Now they've seen curiosity and interest versus if that happens with their newborn and they see it and they say, oh oh my gosh, something's going to happen. Now they're a little more familiar and we can teach them what to do when they see that curiosity and interest and give them alternatives so that they can work through it. Does that make sense?
1: Yes. So what I'm hearing is it's almost more like you need to prepare yourself. Oh yeah. It's not really preparing your dog. It's preparing yourself for your baby to meet your dog. It
0: really is preparing yourself because your dog is not quite capable. When we think about preparing, what I usually hear people say is we pulled their tail. We took their food away. We did all these things. We played baby sounds. We did all these things and the dog, it didn't matter. And so what I want to do is educate people about things that really matter. And what the trusted adults are doing. That's what our dogs defer to, right? They're constantly Mm -hmm. looking at us and going, are you good? And if I can say, yeah, I'm good. Are you good? Um, Then that makes a difference. So helping going through some of these exercises is really, really, really important, even though it feels silly, so that we together with our dog are practicing some role play and are really getting them into the rhythm of what might be up ahead.
1: Now I'm curious about this role play. How much time do you need to devote to this? Is it five minutes a day or is it at all times? in your third
0: <laughs> <premise> or- <laughs> You're worried I'm going to make you carry around something. <laughs> Listen, it doesn't cry. It's not one of those babies. You know, I encourage multiple times. So we usually have a checklist of where you want to practice it and how you want to practice it. So like, mm-hmm. you know, we've got a whole handout and everything on this. So that you would practice, you know, laying down. So what if you needed to be nursing, laying down and your dog came to the side of the bed? Are you going to be able to say, go lay down, go to your mat, go do something else, but not jump on the bed. Mm. You're feeding a baby on the couch and your dog wants to launch themselves onto the couch. Are you in a position that you can handle that? That's why we want to do it. It's short activities, but it might be throughout the day little segments. Yeah, Every training session should be short. You know, three to five minutes is really, you know, more than most of us and our dogs can handle.
1: Okay. So I have recently discovered and fallen in love with the cutest handmade online children's clothing boutique, and I refuse to gatekeep them. Happy, hollow threads. And here's why I love them so much. First off, They're handmade and mama owned and operated. That's huge. You know you're going to get to be supporting a small business and you know that you're going to be taken care of. Secondly, the vibe, if you will, is classic, timeless, earthy tones. Just really aesthetic and stunning, honestly. They do have colors mixed in for holidays and special occasions and stuff, but just really classic looks. Thirdly, starting in their spring 2024 collection, their clothes will be made using organic U.S. milled fabric. And lastly, items are made to order. So if you have a specific need, like needing size five length, but size four width, just add a note at checkout and she can accommodate. There's no extra cost for this. It's no wonder I'm obsessed, right? Happy Hollow Threads, you want to check them out. Here's their website. Get out a pen and write this down. It's happy Hyphen Hollow Hyphen Threads dot my shopify dot com. The link is in the episode show notes as well for your convenience. I do want to backtrack for just a moment, <laughs> Jen. You said in this example, you know, of people saying, "Well, we played baby sounds, we took their food away, and all these things," and yeah. you're saying, "No, we need to focus on the right things." Yeah. What are those so, right things then?
0: What I find in my experience, and again. This is from the feedback I get from thousands of families who have given me feedback on this. They can play baby sounds, but it doesn't matter when they bring home the real deal. And I can tell you why. When we're holding a newborn baby, there are so many other things that are going on when a baby cries. Those of us who have lactated before, you know that when a baby cries, it triggers everything related to breastfeeding. And that can make us feel very different. It can make hormones, you know, shift in our body. So we probably smell different, we act different, we respond mm-hmm. different, we pay attention different. So crying is only one piece of the puzzle. So playing baby sounds on a recorder or on a uh, on something, you know, if we start it low and gradually build it higher, um, you know, working on general desensitization doesn't always give the results that our families are expecting it. will. they're doing what they think is the right thing to do. And that it's not wrong. It's just, unfortunately, a lot of times I see it let people down because it doesn't give them the results. And they're really surprised when their dog is still very inquisitive. Once the real baby comes home, they're, they're often surprised. Newborn cries are meant to be alarms. They're, they're unique to every newborn. Um, Yeah. So it's going to be different for every dog, right? So it's not that it's hurtful. It's just, I want people to have a a good expectation of what that exercise may and may not do and why. It's Mm -hmm. not always the best. And no one exercise, that's my biggest goal to to have people understand. It's no one exercise. This is a long-term process. We like to look at it as a three-month period of helping dogs to acclimate to life with baby.
1: So that was one of my questions there is when do you need to start taking this course? If you said it's three months, you think when you enter the third trimester of pregnancy is when you should or?
0: So what I was mentioning there is when a baby comes home, it's about three months.
1: Oh, okay. That is three
0: months that it takes the dogs to acclimate. But really, as soon as someone is even thinking about getting pregnant, I would take the course and then look to see and assess, do you need more assistance? Are you Mm -hmm. going to need more support? And that way you're prepared because there's a lot of things that you may not be thinking about. And just taking dogs and storks will help you to start spinning those wheels and thinking, okay, our dog is sensitive to changes in appearance. When someone wears glasses, our dog is reactive. When someone wears a baseball hat, they're reactive. Wow, we need to look at this. When um, you know our dogs see scooters or bikes, holy cow! That's something that might be in our future. We want to look at that. So mm-hmm. we want people to take the dogs and storks class as soon as possible, and not wait until last minute. Although if they do take it last minute, we still can help them, and we want to help them. But it's a lot better if we can work on things when we have a lot of time.
1: No, yeah. that makes sense. What are the differences that you see in perhaps dogs that or parents? Who Mm. didn't prepare their family, including the dog, well, versus, you know, they took this course and the dog does X, Y, Z, as opposed to what a non-trained dog would have done.
0: Yeah. So this is not to make anybody feel guilty because I really believe that we, especially as parents, are all doing the best that we can. Yeah. And I certainly had different levels of preparation with each of my children and, you know, one being zero amount of preparation. But doing the best that you can, and starting with the skills that you have, a dog that is not been exposed to some exercises to help with the arrival of a baby, what we see is a lot of frustration. We see a lot of anxiety. We see a lot of frustration on the family's part. We see fear, a lot of fear, Mm -hmm. because the dog is so overwhelmed and the parents are so overwhelmed. And there's the fear of we're going to have to rehome our dogs. Those are calls I get routinely on our support line or someone who's played baby sounds. Now their dog is going nuts and they don't know what to do. And, you know, they do the right things. They do, You know, try to bring home the blanket and do the things that they've been told to do. I'm here to say there's so much more to do than than those things. Those things aren't wrong. It's just that there's a lot more that we can do to really help people prepare When they have prepared, what we see is, um, a much calmer environment, a calmer homecoming and less of a frantic response. If their dog is curious, if their dog is having trouble, they have options of what to do because they have a support system. So they know they can reach out to one of our educators. They can reach out to the person who taught their class dogs and storks. They can, they can get help, you know? Um, no one should be alone. And that's why we started our dog and baby support line because nobody should be alone. If you have concerns, we want you to call. I don't want anybody to feel like they're in this alone. It can be really scary if you haven't prepared because it could catch you really off guard. You know, your dog may respond in a way that you just weren't expecting And it doesn't mean they're a bad dog. It just means they're a dog and they're going to react to different stimuli, just like we might. So it's all new for them. And so we can help them through it.
1: Now, another one of my questions that I had for you, Jen, was just, I guess, what do dogs comprehend or understand about babies? When I think of this, I just think of that scene from Lady and the Tramp, where like the baby gets home and Lady's just like totally forgotten about and like, I don't know. Yeah. So, So is it like that?
0: I'm sure for some dogs it could be, right? Mm -hmm. I'm sure for some dogs, I'm not going to say it's not. I'm sure some dogs absolutely love babies and, you know, you have that kind of, amazing bond right away. However, I would say the majority of dogs, what we know and what we have to really go on is that dogs are predators. They are animals and they know that this is an unusual, unfamiliar creature um, that everybody's paying a lot of attention to. Right. And so they, they develop interest, curiosity. They need to learn what to do around The baby because they do not know it's a family member they do Mm -hmm. not know it's something precious to you they do know that it's unfamiliar and that it's it's interesting (laughs) it's interesting um it makes noise it wiggles it's it's kind of like a great toy in a way so we have to really be careful about that because not to scare people but it's true i want people to know that it 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 is not as sudden our dog knows it's part of the family. That's not true. Um, It it takes a good three months for us to have a dog acclimate and habituate with the baby, you know, by seeing it being included and, and you know, doing certain things that really help them over time, allowing them to observe and smell and do all these things at a distance. Yeah.
1: So to someone who is listening to this and is about to bring home baby from the hospital, I know that we're planning on having you on later in another episode to chat about like, you know, really introducing the baby and signs to look for and such. But to someone who needs to know this information now, um, could you give a brief little tips and tricks for that first introduction?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So the first thing I would do is make sure that you have gates, X-pens, and um, and, and a way to contain your dog, that you do have some of those things available because it's really helpful. For example, when you're feeding your baby or sitting in a chair, you can put a play yard around you and allow your dog to be able to come close, but not too close. A lot Mm. of people allow their dog right up to the baby, I have concerns about that. I don't know that babies don't, you know, have a stress response to that. I don't know, but I I don't think it's safe. And what I find is families that do allow their dog really up close often go, no, 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 that's enough and get very anxious about it. So we really want to have a barrier. We want to practice coming in, thinking about What's it going to look like when we come home? Is our dog going to even be there? It's really okay. I want to give everybody permission to have an alternative place for your dog. So you can come home and adjust, recover, Mm. bond, establish nursing, if that's your plan, do all these things that you want to do in that time, and then bring back one of your dogs or both of your dogs or one at a time or whatever, it's okay to take that time. in fact, I encourage it because then you'll be less anxious and you'll be more prepared to do a homecoming. So that's another thing is to have a plan. And then the other is to then practice, what's it gonna look like? Who's gonna be where when we do bring the baby into the house? Who's going to have the dog? Is the dog gonna be on leash or harness? What are we going to do behind a gate? What, what's the plan? Having those things set in place is critical. Really, okay. really, really important.
1: Is there something that you would recommend? Do you think it's better to have them on a leash or just, you know, gaze from afar for 4 days it, and then You're like-
0: you're going to you're going to hate my answer to this, but it is my answer. It depends on everything. Okay dog. So that's something that some dogs are leash reactive. So putting them on a leash Mm. may not be the right thing. While other dogs are totally relaxed on a leash, and that might be the right thing. Um, If we've, you know, we don't want a dog that's lunging on a leash, that dog might be better behind a gate, so they can freely move around And, you know, get quick sniffs of that's when I use the blanket, like when we're able to repeatedly use that scent over and over and over again, using baby's name, that's when I use the blanket, not just a, a one-time introduction, but I use it as a scent, you know, to help the dog acclimate when we're home and we can repeatedly use that scent um, and baby's name, it can be very helpful there. So You know, so we might use like a baby blanket while the dog's on the other side of the gate instead of the actual baby. We might let the dog observe from the gate and give the dog um, a food dispensing toy, a licking mat, snuffle mat, something like that. There's all sorts of things that we might do. And again, play arts, people use them You know, and think, oh, I don't want to put my dog in a play yard. No, I'm saying put you in the play yard. Like (laughs) if your baby is in the swing, you're, you know, put the play yard around the swing. If you're, you're sitting in a chair, put the play yard around you. So you have space. So the dog doesn't come right up in your face. I'm telling you, you never feel more anxious than when you first bring your baby home with your dog. You look at your dog a little bit differently. I know we Mm -hmm. never think we're going to, but you look at your dog just a little bit differently. Like they are an animal. It's different when you see them up against your newborn. It really is a different thing. Yeah.
1: I love how you're so like realistic and practical about it. And obviously you love dogs. I do respect them. You're not one who's going to be like, oh, or preach this idea of like, my dog is such a good dog. Nothing's going to happen. Let me just shove the baby right into my dog's face so that it can smell it.
0: So dogs are good dogs. But the key word is dogs, mm. and dogs are predators, and I can't unemphasize that. So they yeah. do have natural instincts, and they also have no sense of their their where they are. Like my shepherd could easily flip his head around and hurt a newborn.
1: Mm.
0: So I'm not talking about anything aggressive or anything even malicious or anything like that. I'm talking about clumsy. I'm t- you know just. Yeah. Uh, You know, there's clumsy dogs. There are dogs that just don't know their space. There's dogs that, you know, again, they want to investigate in their own way, but that could be really pushy, those kinds of things. So there's all sorts of things to think about. And the fact that your dog does not know what this new creature is, and that is rather arousing for some dogs. And we need to know and be careful about that.
1: So... At what point do I let the gate down? Like the dog can't live forever behind this gate, or I can't live forever in my little play yard.
0: Right, exactly. And so that's why it's all temporary. It's all temporary. It's really just to allow for initial acclimation, you know, initial, and it really is a matter of allowing your dog time to observe and see what's going on and get familiar with it because. You know, they need to observe the baby. They need to see what's going on and you need to feel comfortable. So it's two things. It's a safety thing, but it's also a comfort level as well. Um, When you first put your baby into a swing on the floor, they look so small, you know. know, and then your dog looks so big, right? And they have access to it. So putting something around it makes it so that you feel more safer, right? It allows for more comfort when can you take the barriers down? Again, that's going to depend on the dog's response to different things, you know, and and not all dogs need to be behind a gate for greetings. Some dogs are absolutely fine being on leash and coming over to mom, you know, I really recommend that if the dog's been away, that the parents are able to greet the dog individually, so that that excitement is calmed down. And then, and then have the dog be able to come in and maybe sniff around the house, do a little scent walk around the house, use baby's name. And then all of a sudden they discover mom or someone in the room who's holding the baby, but we don't go look and introduce, just make it a non-event. We don't make the baby a big deal. Making the baby a big deal actually raises more arousal and more attention versus If we have the dog walking around the house and coming back in to acclimate, and then all of a sudden, we just happen to come in a room where someone's holding a baby, especially if we've practiced that ahead of time, it really can go very smoothly. And then it's calm. And so we can see calmness early on in the first couple of days. Um, I mean, unfortunately, with children and dogs, you're always going to need crates, gates and separation of some type especially as we get into toddler phase. It's part of life. I have gates and crates and uh, X-pens in my house.
1: Ooh, did you know that how you heal in the first 40 days of postpartum influences how you'll thrive in the next 40 years? And since your healing depends so much on the nutrients that you nourish your body with, postpartum nutrition is vital. I really can't emphasize it enough. It is absolutely crucial that you're taking care of your body in postpartum by what you're feeding it. That's why I love Nourish. Nourish takes the guesswork out of trying to figure out what's best for your body in postpartum, and it even takes the cooking out of the equation too. Nourish meal delivery offers organic, allergen-free, pesticide-free, and seed-oil-free meals made with love. They cater to your Ayurvedic dosha and cultural dietary needs, as well as any allergies or intolerances you may have. I mean, this really would have been a game changer to me when I was needing to be dairy-free because of Mila's dairy allergy. Plus, their meal plans are customizable. Like, you can build a box. So, maybe you have breakfast taken care of so you can opt to order more lunch and dinner meals. Or perhaps your mother-in-law is dropping off your dinners for a while so you can opt to include more lactation teas and nutrient-dense snacks. Head to com to learn more. The link is in the episode show notes below for your convenience. So, Well, I know that we want to get into like the toddler phase um, when you come back because you have so much to share about that that's like, guys, Jen and I had this intro call and- usually these intro calls are like 15, 20 minutes. I think hers was like <laughs> 35, 40. And she was just sharing with me all this information because Mila had just started to crawl. And I yes. was like, holy smokes, this is so good. So when you're listening to this and you're like, oh my gosh, this woman is amazing and really knows her stuff. Get ready for the next episode <laughs> when she comes back to talk about toddlers.
0: Well, and I hope it doesn't, It's not intended to overwhelm and make people scared. That's not what my intention. I love dogs, but as you say, I have a very healthy respect for them. And I want everybody to be comfortable and smooth. And what I do find is that that idea of introduction puts a lot of stress on all of us. And a lot of new parents aren't wanting their dog as close as they might think. So what happens is they let their dog come close and then the dog gets a little too animated, and then we start pushing back and saying, no, 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 no. And everybody gets a little bit more stressed out as the dog gets more excited. And these are patterns that we see, and that leads to people feeling insecure and un, you know, nervous about their dog. So what we want to do is decrease that anxiety. We want to make it a calm event. And there's ways to do that so that nobody has to feel unsafe. And that's the most important thing. We don't want anybody to feel unsafe.
1: So jumping right back into what you were just saying about ways that we can help lower that stress. What are some of those ways, Jen?
0: Some of the ways that people can lower the stress for homecoming when they first come home is just really, in my opinion, prep preparing is knowing what to expect. Knowing what to expect helps alleviate that stress and role play practicing so what do you want it to look like when you first come home where where are you going to are you going to have the baby in the car seat are you going to where are we going to place that where is the dog going to be what um what management do you want to use with the dog who's going to be holding the dog
1: mm-hmm. where
0: you know um we need to have some treats ready like having everything mapped out so that it runs smoothly and that really can happen you know, once everybody's kind of calm and settled in, but knowing what to expect is the greatest decreaser of stress. There's a lot about birth and everything that we don't know what to expect, right? And so this is something that we can say, all right, we can practice as much as possible to set our dog up for success by practicing these things with, you know, role play. And then at least we, as the adults, feel comfortable. And we know the plan and that's much better than not knowing the plan. It can really make a big difference.
1: Okay. Yeah, that's good. Um, Another question that I had for you that I'm really excited to hear your thoughts on is just what about introducing baby to grandparents' dogs or your brother's dog? You know, you didn't prepare this dog to meet your baby. So how do you go about that?
0: Right. It can be a really complicated situation because that dog is unfamiliar to the baby and the baby is unfamiliar to the dog so it's really starting all over again and so the risk goes up when it's an unfamiliar baby and dog together it definitely goes up so just because it's a family dog meaning it's in the family doesn't mean that it understands that this baby is a part of the family this Mm -hmm. baby again is novel and new and moves different, sounds different, acts different um, through every developmental stage. And so we have to treat it as such. And we have to start things gradual, slow. Um, I don't want the dog in baby space, things like that. There's no need for that. Dogs don't need to sniff right up in a baby's space. They smell way across the room. They don't need to be there. They, they don't, we don't want them doing that to us and we don't need them doing that to baby. And I really go back to, how does the baby feel about that? Just because they can't vocalize what their feelings are. I really don't know whether there are raised cortisol levels or whether there's stress levels with having a dog right up in their space. But I just, I think about it all the time. Um, So we want to keep it at a distance. We want to keep it calm. We don't want to bring so much emphasis onto the baby. Remember when you're visiting with family, you're there to visit family. So if I visited my in-laws or brother, I would have the dog put away, which people get upset about that. But if I was uncomfortable, I would ask that the dog be put away for a little bit. I might bring toys or treats or things to give to the dog to do so that that kind of removes them from the situation. So, It's always good as a parent, if you're going to someone's house with a dog and you're not sure to talk to them ahead of time, but ask them ahead of time, what kind of treats they can have, maybe bring like a frozen Kong or something for them to do that kind of makes people feel better, but it also gives the dog something to do away from you and your baby.
1: That's a great tip. To bring those treats and be like, I'm l- trying to lessen the load here, but I do not want to see your dog.
0: That's right. Licky, <laughs> That's mat, Licky mats are great for this. Um, You can get on Amazon. Those are really cheap and they're really, really good. So just ask ahead of time if there's any allergies or anything, but it can be really helpful to keep the dog occupied somewhere else.
1: Yeah. Now you have a lot of kind of catchphrases or sayings. Um, when it comes to dog and baby, what are some of those? I think those are really great ways to remember some like do's and don'ts.
0: Sure. A dog and baby on the scene, a parent in between. That's a big one. I love that one. That really is so important. And if you remember it, it's really important to always have your body in between your dog and your baby always. And then obviously dogs with a bone, leave them alone. I see this as many, many problems. Babies grow, dogs age, adjust at every stage. This is incredibly important because babies grow so much in those first two years. They look like different beings as they grow Mm -hmm. from sitting up from cradle, cradle hold to sitting up, facing out to sitting up on the floor to crawling, to cruising, to standing, to running, to your dog, that is a whole new child. Yeah. Almost every time.
1: That is and so true.
0: Remembering that. Um, and then the other part of that phrase, babies grow, dogs age, adjust at every stage is the fact that our dogs are aging. So dogs that might've been around children earlier in their life, as they age, they might not have as much tolerance, kind of like me, you know, I'm very different in my 50s. You know, 55, <laughs> I'm not as playful <laughs> as I was in my 20s and 30s, right? It's just not going to yeah. happen. So our dogs feel this way too. And a lot of times we don't account for that. So mm-hmm. all of a sudden when the senior dog gets grumpy, it, it's it's devastating. So we need to account for that and just understand that, you know, when we're visiting And it's a dog that's been around children just because it's been around all the cousins and aunts and kiddos, you know, before doesn't mean that they're going to accept your baby at this stage in their life. It not accept doesn't mean it's going to be as fond of or tolerant Mm -hmm. or yeah. So we want to be mindful
1: of that. That's a great call out. I think we have a misconception of, oh, dogs are aging. They're getting more patient and more chill. But they could get more grumpy. That's a really great call out.
0: Yeah, because a lot of times, unfortunately, pain is really hard to diagnose. And our senior dogs have often undiagnosed pain. And so when their hips or arthritis or any of these things, if a baby crawls towards them and they're forced to get up and move and they start to build that association,
1: Mm. that
0: becomes a really risky thing. So we don't want babies ever approaching dogs. Like babies should never close the gap towards a dog. Never. Mm -hmm. It is the number one way that kiddos are bitten and it's preventable. It just, it, it's just a dog and baby on the scene, a parent in between. And I mean it be in between.
1: And And so you mean the dog is just, you know, trying to take a nap on the kitchen floor yep. minding his own business baby's crawling baby's moving over and baby's like oh a fuzzy tail so you're saying that should never happen regardless of how chill the dog is regardless of how sweet your baby is that should just not be a thing
0: it should not be a thing and especially on the kitchen floor so what happens there is that the dog is most likely if we put a video on that dog, we would be seeing a lot of different body language. I guarantee
1: it. Let's um, talk about the yeah, yeah. All the body language. So Let's we see would see eyes
0: moving. They, the dog may not lift their head, may not get up, may not move. Cause they're, they're in their spot. Their breathing might change. They might get faster breathing. They might get slower breathing. They might, um, You might see whale eyes, so the whites of their eyes, so half moon eyes. Their ears are going to shift in the direction of the sound, so their ears will be moving. Um, They may go from panting to closed mouth. They may try to move their body away from the child. They may turn or lean away from the child, even subtly. All these things are subtle things that would indicate no thank you. The problem is, it indicates no thank you to another dog it's dog language whereas to a child it's like ooh, well let me go and get in your face i want to get eye contact with you that's that's how we communicate let me give you a kiss that's how we give love let me do these things those are things that we don't necessarily want to have happen and especially in a kitchen where there's resources like a dog's laying on the floor in the kitchen is
1: a big no Interesting. I just threw out kitchen just for the sake of the example. and I didn't think that it was like specific. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's a resource.
0: So, you know, if food might happen there and the dog is waiting for food and the child's in the way. Th- yeah. Mm-hmm. I see it all the time. Dang. I see that all the time.
1: Dang. Back to how we communicate. I think that, Even, you know, the dog's communicating to dog that that's not okay. And even as we as adults, we're like, oh, the dog's chill. He's fine with it. This is why it's so important to know this, to prevent those attacks that aren't necessarily malicious, but the dog has been giving you warning signs you just haven't been paying attention.
0: Or we didn't know to pay attention. Like, I have so many pictures of my children doing things to my dog's that I had no idea what I was looking at. And that's the Mm -hmm. thing we can supervise all day long, but if we don't have dog aware skills and we don't recognize dog body language more than, you know, just on average, continue learning and growing about it. If we don't do that, then our supervision is really limited. Yeah. you Only are as good as the knowledge you have when you're supervising. And so if you're looking at your dog and facing the fact that your dog is just laying there and isn't getting up because your child's right there, and you're assuming they're good, that's not enough. Mm. It's not enough. It it could be your dog is tolerating it and your dog may tolerate your child coming up to them a hundred times, but they also might de- be developing that anticipatory anxiety that, that when the child comes close, the dog feels confined or is going to hurt because the child's going to lean on them And so that Mm. hundredth time, the dog says not today. And that's where you get your out of the blue bite. Yeah.
1: Dang. While we're talking about out of the blue bites, I want to make sure that people are aware of your hotline.
0: Yes. So it's 877-247-3407. And it's the dog and baby support line. And so so write that down. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Write that down. Even put it as a contact in your phone. Cause you're not going to want to go back to this episode to look up this number when that happens.
0: Yeah. It's, it's really, really important. And you know, it's really important that people feel heard And that. I think this is why I really started this was, um, there's a lot of judgment for people that are struggling with making decisions about their dog. And if they've been through a heartbreaking situation. They need to feel supported and safe, mm-hmm. and they need to feel that someone is going to listen to them in a non-judgmental way and and really understand. Um, and that's what I really try to do and provide is a good listening um, support where we can figure out what the next best step may be. You yeah. know, for the next hour, for the next day, for the next week. For the next month we don't have to talk about long term we just need to get through periods of time Mm. and when something happens um it's just really important that people i mean be careful don't go out to social media you'll get all sorts of information and different different advice but um be careful so that's why we like to be there for people so that we can talk it through and we can guide people in a professional manner of, of what might be next Next best thing for them, help them to figure that out.
1: That's really beautiful and so important. So, yeah. a really awesome resource that you guys Thank provide. You. Thank you. Um, now, one of my last questions that I have for you, Jen, is just: What would you tell someone who's nervous or anxious about their dog meeting their baby because the dog might be high energy?
0: Mm, yeah, that it's very normal to feel nervous and anxious about this. It's it's a new experience. And the more that you can prepare, the better you can ease those nerves. And so just getting a plan in place so that you can feel comfortable and then a backup plan in place so that you can Mm. feel comfortable and allowing yourself space and allowing your dog space and, and really just having a plan is so important. It really is. So don't wing it. (laughs) That doesn't calm nerves. (laughs) <laughs> but have a plan. Have a plan and we can help you work
1: on that. Um, so I want to make sure that people know where they can find you.
0: They can find me at familypaws.com. They can find uh email me at gmail at familypaws.com or I mean familypaws at gmail.com. They can also see me on Instagram, familypause official.
1: Yeah. Amazing. So good. Jen, thank you so much. Once again, this was really, really great. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Learning to Mom podcast. Don't forget to sign up for the newsletter by going to the link in the episode show notes below, and I will talk to you next week.